Gonna find my baby. No, I'm not gonna do that now. That's gonna be, oh, that's gonna be your intro. <laughs> oh my god. No, no, we can't do that. Hello and welcome to Got Next Podcast. I am your co-host Rafa Scullantini. And I'm Carlos. Carlos that's, that's where you come in, dude. <laughs> Come on, you can't. <laughs> oh, come on, you can dude. edit. No, and don't I... edit it. Just no, don't make yourself look good. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It's the first time. <laughs> it's the first time, guys. It's the Sorry. first time. Yeah, it's it's fine. You know, you just. I was waiting for you to introduce yourself, and you know, just it's fine. Um, anyway, so Carlos and I um, are hosting a new podcast called Got Next Podcast. Um, this idea of ours started when we had a blog um what was it like after after college we started that blog yeah uh just like 2017 playoffs if i remember correctly yeah something like we were that writing, so, we were we were writing a lot that summer yeah and basically like the concept of the of the blog post that you and i will type some stuff out on a google doc and respond to one another trying to make it more like a conversation we uh, shared it with a bunch of people, and the feedback was that our friends who know us pretty well, they said that they could hear us through the, uh, through the blog post, and they said that we should probably just do a podcast. Um, so that's kind of where this idea sparked. Um, hasn't been, really been able to happen, probably mostly my fault, because like, I, was, I was doing my master's degree, and then I did a residency, and just... No, no life time. just happened, man. <laughs> life, life happens. Um, so it's pretty tough. Um, and especially tough because, you know, we're in different time zones. You know, I'm, I'm in Indiana. <laughs> I'm on East Coast time. You're in the Philippines, 12 hours apart. So One thing yeah. that hasn't changed, though, we still talk about basketball every, <laughs> as much as possible. So, yeah, we do. Yeah, we, we still, like, uh, text all, all the time. Um, in fact, Megan... Uh, my girlfriend will just be like, "Who, who's, who's that side bitch you're texting?" I'm just like, "It's, it's Carlos." Like, um, <laughs> it's the same since. Uh, yeah, it's the same. Five years ago, six years. Although ago. since we've, uh, Meg and I have ended our long distance, and we've been together for like physically together for about three and a half weeks now, <laughs> and um, even even now she's like, "Are you texting Carlos again? Seriously?" <laughs> She was so pissed that the NBA <laughs> came back. She, when I told her about it, she oh was like... Oh my God, it still hasn't changed. Yeah, I know. It, it really hasn't changed. It's never going to change. We're going to be 50 <laughs> years old. You and I are still going to talk about this stuff. And she's going to be like, you and Carlos have been talking about this since you were 21. Like, can you stop? <laughs> um, she was really surprised that the NBA is coming back. Uh, surprised and pissed. Um, but I guess that leads us into... One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is... How have you liked the bubble so far? Now that the regular season's over and we're going to get the play in today. Oh, I've actually enjoyed it. Um, more so than the regular season, surprisingly. I think the, 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 the standard of play amongst the teams, the games. I don't know. I think, I guess, because the eight games mattered a lot for all the teams. It was pretty yeah. much uh, uh, almost playoff level like intensity for, for some of these games. Um, Barring a few, 
I mean, there are obviously some blowouts, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. There were some really high course. level. There were some really high level games, and I was I really enjoyed it. It was uh, good yeah. to have basketball back. Yeah, it, it really was good to have basketball back. I agree with you. It was it was really intense. Um, I think a lot of teams came in pretty rusty. Um, it was clear early on some teams had to get their legs under them, but they've shaped up pretty quickly. It's weird because like it feels like a different season, but not a lot in terms of rosters has changed. A couple guys here and there because some players just didn't come into the bubble for varying reasons. But yeah, it's, yeah, been, it's been really good, man. I've been, I've been so impressed with what they've done. Adam Silver and your whole commissioner's office, great freaking job. Like, it's it's and been so good. Um, so the, far, no COVID cases. So. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, it's it's interesting the stuff that they've done. Like, have you have you heard about some of the stuff that they've done? Like, I I I don't know where I if I heard this or read this, but um, they filled up one of the lakes with fish, so that a <laughs> bunch of the <laughs> Yeah, so a bunch of the players could go fishing. And I think, oh, I think, I heard I think about it was, this. yeah, and I think Reggie Miller was complaining. It was like, well, now these guys who think they're good fishers are, are catching all these fish. <laughs> it's like, I mean, Fake that's really what you're going to co- complain about? Like, these guys are trapped in a bubble. Like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, JJ, <laughs> I, I listened to JJ Reddick's podcast. He was saying that they have a lot of downtime down there. Oh, and yeah, I mean. So. They got to give them something to do. Yeah, seriously. They did a good job with it, though. I, uh, they did. I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm sure. Um, I think the teams already, the teams who got eliminated today already left. Or are supposed they? to leave. There oh. was, I think there was, a, I saw a post about that, that they would, they have to leave once they're eliminated, like 12 hours or something. In 12 so now it's hours? Just, yeah, it's just, it's just the team, it's just the teams who are, um, who are still playing. That's rather harsh. <laughs> Damn. No, or, I think so. And then I think some players get, uh, they can invite like special people, <laughs> family, family and friends. And, That's nice. Yeah. So they have uh, like a bubble break. I would, I'd be cautious Before. about that, but I think they've, they've got a good plan. Like they're gonna, they're gonna quarantine. I'm sure right? they, no, for sure. I, I'm sure there's like, they were so strict about it. I'm sure there are some, I just yeah. saw a tweet by Boj. <laughs> I'll okay. Put it in the show notes. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> By the way, I have Twitter now. I don't know if you know this. I just got a Twitter like a couple of days ago. So I was like, if we're going to have a... For those of you who can't see Carl's reaction, he just put his head, his hand over his head and is shocked because I've talked about for a long time. I'm not going to get a Twitter. I'm not going to get a Twitter. And now we're starting oh, this podcast. Welcome. I felt like I should... Thank you. I feel like I should get a Twitter. Just, you know, if I, if I want to see what people are saying on the Twitterverse. So. The first account you should follow is Kendrick Perkins. Oh God! Um, <laughs> I think then the second should be uh, Richard Jefferson, and then Ryan Hollins. Oh, right. Um, and then go to Nick Fucking Wright. Yeah. Jesus. I um, think he's your favorite, right? Oh God. The I don't know. Quintessential my... <laughs> LeBron Dick Ryder. Oh, yeah, seriously. Well, speaking of Twitterverse. Um, I saw, I think you and I saw a bunch of this on Twitter. I guess you didn't know that I saw it on Twitter, but people talking about, um, a home court advantage. Obviously it's a neutral site, so there's no home court advantage really. And Mm. we, we discussed on messenger that there should be a little bit more of a home court advantage. 
And I kind of I kind of bring this up just because last night there was a seeding there could have been a seeding game between Indiana and Miami, basically who, to decide who's the fourth seed and fifth seed, even though they were going to play each other. And both of them rested their starters, and it was like a non-essential game to them, basically. Um, the games yesterday, <laughs> yeah, nothing I, really happened. I, yesterday, I, not, no implications in the game yesterday. Yeah, I barely watch. And you know, normally, if if this was a regular a regular season, then they would be like fighting for that fourth seed because home court advantage would be huge. But yeah, no, so it was pretty inconsequential. So you want to kind of throw out some of the ideas we had for, or some of the ideas that have been thrown out there. For home oh yeah, court. so the t- the post the tweet the tweet I saw was from Parala Bob. I think he works in for that for Dallas, mm-hmm. Dallas Mavs and. I think the suggestion was that they should include a home court advantage in the bubble um, through through adding. <laughs> I think you don't like this. The four four points. Yeah, no. Just, I, I start the home team like four that. points ahead. I don't like that, especially because like, I mean, a couple problems with it is that firstly, how, you can't really quantify home court advantage. In that way, like it's how do you know for sure that it's four points? I know like people have kind of looked at it, but at the same time, that's just a huge unfair advantage because it's more of an atmosphere thing rather than a quantified points thing. And then I think I agree with that. Yeah. And then secondly, different home courts have different advantages. Like playing in the Boston Garden is very different than playing in, I don't know, who has shitty fans? Uh, Houston. That's from personal Houston, experience. Sh- That's from personal experience. The Wait, you've, you've, Houston... you watched the Rockets game? Yeah, yeah, I did back in... When um... the fuck did you go to Houston? Uh, Thanksgiving 2016, I want to say. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I watched okay. the Rockets game. They, the crowd was terrible compared to Boston's. Well, I mean, that's Thanksgiving. I feel like Houston's a little better in the playoffs. I was thinking just more for... Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> I was just thinking, could the Rockets... Uh... That's just from personal experience because yeah. that, that crowd... I mean, I was really underwhelmed by that crowd. And it was a lot of okay. empty seats as well. So. And it was, it was against the Clippers. So I thought it was... Like, it they was had Harden at that point already. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think Dwight was there as well. I'm not sure. Okay, that explains it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but like... But at the same time, playing in Denver is a huge advantage because they're... I, I just came from, for those of you who don't know, I just came from Altitude. So I moved to Indiana from Vail, Colorado. And you know how they call Denver the Mile High City? That's because yeah. it's like 4,000 feet above sea level. Well, Vail was twice that. Vail's like the two-mile high city. I was at 8,000 elevation. And it, wow. it's, it's a big deal. Like, the air is thin. Um, like how did it I, affect your exercise? <laughs> dude, no, you, you run out of breath fast. Because the oxygen is just so much, there's less oxygen there. So I remember um, my friends and I did this thing called a 14er. It's basically like a really tough hike where you hike up to 14,000 feet. Um, And it's a big thing in Colorado. And I brought a pulse ox, which is basically measuring the percentage of red blood cells that contain oxygen. At normal baseline, humans should be about 99%. So 99% of your red blood cells should have oxygen in them. This is and, at sea level. Yeah, or... so it's at sea level. In elevation, it's, I was at like 92. Wow. And I'd been there for a month. 
when we did that. So, you know, the, it's an advantage. I don't, and I think people Especially will tell you all the already. time. Yeah, but some people are moving in and out of Denver, especially in the playoffs. That's a big thing, and that's actually a big thing for Denver that they've lost. They have lost a big home court edge in that regard. Um, but, like, it's things like that. Like, that's true home court advantage um, in addition to their fans. So it's like, how do you quantify it? It's different for every team, different for every home court. So I'm, I'm not a fan of the, the four-point thing. Yeah, I think it's too drastic. And it's too drastic. too confusing for the viewers. Yeah. Like, imagine the tip-off, and it's like, hey, it's 4-0. Yeah, so. and it's like, wait, what? Um, but you, one- you mentioned something else, too, like um, starting every quarter or something with like the yeah, home so, team getting the... Yeah, the idea was the, the, the higher seed essentially starts quarters 2-4 to four with the ball, regardless of how the jump ball goes. Okay. So they essentially, start, they essentially have three possessions. They, the, they start each quarter with possession. Okay, Which could translate to points. It could, but it couldn't. Like they have to take yeah. advantage. But the possession is um, so valuable, especially in the playoffs. And, it really is. You know, like I just don't know if you can be that blatant about it. So as a hardcore fan, I can see. Like let's see, you're more. Um, if you're more, if you're a hardcore basketball viewer, you'll notice it, and you'll say, "Oh, that, that's fair. That makes sense because it's a they they on the higher seed." But then if you're just a casual viewer. You don't care who starts the half, who starts the quarter. Yeah, I guess the so. The quarter. So, I, I think know, it's but... a good way to go. Like, give the give the give the higher seed an advantage without, um, yeah, without being such a drastic, you know, uh, change or rule. Yeah, it's tough because you just can't recreate the atmosphere. I know that they've been doing like those virtual fans, and I thought about like maybe just all the virtual fans are for the home team. That's it. And you can like actually hear their audio cheering. Um, I but think I don't it's know been if like that's that. big enough. Has it... From what I know, they, um, they had, what they did was the teams could select the fans to watch the games. And then okay. you have the arena music that the home team normally plays, playing. So that's basically what they would do. So I don't know if you know this, like in the Celtics games, the Celtics home games, it would be the Boston Garden music. It would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did notice that. Um, I just don't know if that's really going to be much of an edge. No, it really, it's yeah, superficial, I think. <laughs> yeah. One of, one of the ideas that I had for this was like, you know how in 2K, the, the home team can like shake the screen on a free throw? Yeah. I think that they should do something like that on the screen. Like when the opposing <laughs> team is shooting their free throws, like, Fuck with them. Like, on the screen. The LED like, screen. <laughs> yeah, something. on the LED screen. Like, shake it. Like, because it's right behind, like, the glass backboard. So, there's no way they can avoid it. So, I, I don't know. Like, free throw small shooting has like already been higher in the bubble than it has been regularly. Obviously, it's a small sample size. So it's just whatever. But, like, I, I don't know. I think of everything, that's the best. But it might be too much as well. I, I don't know. What do you think? I still think they have to represent home court advantage for the higher seed because otherwise the regular season pretty but, much yeah it was meaningless. Getting the higher seed was pretty much useless. So that's yeah, I can I can see that. It it's just tough like and and that's something that they would have had to implement like pretty short term and I don't know if the, the players would have been okay with it. Especially if you were a lower seed. <laughs> the higher I'm sure the higher seed would have been like, "Oh shit, four points." Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. But um So what do you land on? What's your um preferred preferred 
advantage, you know, home court advantage. You know, I really, I don't know. Um, it's so, it's so hard to to pinpoint one thing I like. Obviously, since I came up with the shaking screen, I'm gonna go with that. But what do you dislike about the possession thing? I don't see the disadvantage. Because otherwise, if it's if it's just normal rule, it's what it's alternating after the after the tip off, right? Yeah, I just think like that adds two to three possession. Like if you win the jump ball and then you get two guaranteed starts to a quarter, that just adds two to three possessions. And especially if you end the quarters with the ball. So if you end the first quarter with the ball, that will change your strategy. So no matter what, you will make sure as hell to end the quarter with the ball. Especially going into those quarters, because that's two straight possessions. That's basically a turnover for the other team in equivalence. So I could see that. Yeah, I would like that sense. better than um, just straight out giving four, four points. That's just too blatant for me. <laughs> Because the team still has to take advantage, and they still have to put the ball in the hoop. So, yeah. I mean, if I were to pick one, it would be that. Um, but I kind of like the shaking screen idea. <laughs> no, we'll have the I shaking think... screen still, and the, and the home yeah. court fans. <laughs> I, just, I just think that would be really funny, too. Like, they're taking a 2K video game concept and putting it in real life, and it's fucking with people. I mean, I guess another thing that they could do is, like, you know how... Um, when we're when we're in home, like when we were in the garden, they would like kind of announce the other team, but it would be so bland. It was like at forward number twenty three, LeBron mm, yes. James, and then when they would introduce the Celtics, it would be um, this like big celebration. They could maybe do that. That would like frame it, or like that would probably put the teams in a mindset. Obviously, that would probably go away in two minutes, but. That's something additional they could do, like to try to create an atmosphere. Mm. No, yeah, I think that's the closest they can do because it's all the, the crowd's very important as well as a viewer. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go what ahead. What do you think about piping and crowd noise? They kind, I, I feel oh, yeah, like they yeah. kind of do. They kind of do, but um, I'm not sure if the players hear it. I would think they do. Um, I'm okay with that. I just don't. I think the players do know, though, that that is artificial. It's not real crowd noise. Um, I think piping in more than crowd noise, but trash talk. <laughs> like, no, it's okay. Have you no? Have you heard any of the player chatter watching these games? I feel like um, I've missed some. I mean, what kind of like the sideline stuff? Yeah, yeah, like just players chatting. I thought uh, I would hear more bit. than I than I did. <laughs> To be honest, I think I I've only heard like stuff when the players are mic'd up. Um, mm, of course, nothing nothing out of the ordinary, and I can kind of hear some of the calls a little better than usual, but it's still not totally obvious. So you know, it is what it is. Uh, just so, so that's our bubble knows. thoughts. That's yeah. our bubble, bu- bubble Those are thoughts. Our bubble thoughts. <laughs> yeah, which is I really didn't think I was ever gonna say that. Our bubble thoughts. Um, but overall, so, it was good, right? Yeah, overall, I'm really happy with it. And I'm so impressed with what they did. Um, they did a really good job. And I'm just so happy that basketball is back and we're going to get some playoff basketball. And by the way, I love the play-in. I'm so happy they're doing that. And I hope that's a mainstay. I hope they keep doing that. Without further ado, let's, let's get in the actual basketball talk. We're going to start, obviously, with the play-in. 
So uh, you want to discuss how the play-in format is going to work? <laughs> yeah, so we have the uh, eighth-seeded uh, Portland Trailblazers playing the ninth-seeded Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in tournament. Uh, this is to, this is for the right to lose to the Lakers in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> but, Fuck you! Not dude. to get, <laughs> not to get ahead of myself on the on our uh, playoff predictions, but. They did. They boxed and won him. They did the trapping. They, they kind of tried a couple of things. And so I don't see any reason that, they're, that Memphis isn't going to try to do that. Did you see that clip of, uh, Car- I think it was Karis LeVert uh, talking to, um, I, forget, I forget which player from the Nets it was. He was, t- he, was t- he was telling him, you see Dame come up with the ball, you pick him up. I don't <laughs> care if Michael Jordan is in the wing. <laughs> No, I don't remember that. What the hell? That's yeah, I need to send that to them. It was. Oh, it was... that's a good one. That's good. You know, Michael Jordan <laughs> took that personally. Oh, has has Michael Jordan responded to that? I wouldn't be surprised if he did. If he took to Twitter or something, it was like, okay, when you get out of the bubble, we're gonna play one on one. Michael Jordan joins the bubble. Wins the championship. He signs a ten-day contract with whoever. With whoever Brooklyn is playing first next season. <laughs> oh my God, please let that happen. That would be so good. It'd be so funny to see his basketball reference page. Like 2002 to 2003, tw- like 20 inactive seasons, and then 2020, 2021, he averages, averages 41 points on. On 52 shot attempts. <laughs> uh, that would be incredible. Um, sorry to get sidetracked. Sorry to sidetrack you there. This but... is gonna be a this is gonna be a common theme for this pod. We're we're not gonna finish <laughs> in an hour. We may not even finish in an hour and a half, but that's fine. But yes, yeah, so I want to get back to our original point, which was when that happens. Um, we've kind of seen in the past that. CJ was less than stellar when that happens to Dame because obviously Dame is going to make the right play. If they trap him so far up, it's not like he can really make a home run play and get someone a layup. That's tough. So CJ is going to have to take that responsibility and it didn't seem like he was very good at that last year. Um, so that's going to be a big thing. Now, obviously, last year they didn't have Nurk and Nurk, is, Nurk has been really good. I'm happy to see him play well. Um, Nurk is but a yeah. good release valve for that Dame trap. He really is. Because if they trap him so far up uh, the half court, Nurkic can catch the ball near the perimeter and he has good ball handling skills. They he can already... get the hoop. He can pass out. He, yeah, we yeah. saw it a little bit in the Brooklyn game. Um, I think he did decently there. Yeah. I, I love the Blazers offense when they play through Nurkic because there's just so much more movement, so much more cutting. Dame gets open really easily. So that's going to be a big thing. I think when teams double-team Dame, they're just not even going to let Dame touch the ball until Dame cuts and gets that ball. He's going to get a wide-open three. He's going to have momentum going to the rim. And Dame is really sharp at finding cutters, at finding spot-up shooters especially. So having Nurkic is going to be huge for them. Do you think he'll just start pulling up from half-court? He pretty much is, but... I mean, yeah. (laughs) I, th- I think I saw a stat on Twitter. He has like 54 of those pull-ups this season. 
And he's watching like forty percent. That's insane. Like, I, I'm I'm astounded. That's that's incredible. I don't know if he'll I'm, actually be doing it if two people meet him at half court, but he might. He did it against Brooklyn. He just shot from the from that's half true. court. Keep him, keep him honest. <laughs> um. So wait, but yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. What do you think will happen then in this play-in game? Uh, obviously, Memphis didn't do so well in the bubble. They mm-hmm. only won two out of eight games. Yeah, Brandon yeah. Clark is out on it with an injury. So that, yeah, that's so, a very important ro- rotation player for them. Not Love only that, Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson is huge. He didn't those play in guys, the bubble at all. Yeah, that, those are big. Wait, I missed that. I missed Jaron Jackson. Clearly, I didn't watch the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I watched. I watched a little bit of Memphis because I'm a big. I was. I was big on John Morant coming into the no, season. No, I've seen some clips of. I, that's the. I He's, only care yeah. for John. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm. I was big on John Morant because I know everyone was like, "Oh, Zion's gonna be this this beast," which I get, but people were sleeping on Jaw a little bit. Like he. Talented point guard, even in college, like he's really sharp. Um, his reads off the dribble are really good, very, very sharp. So, um, not having Jaron Jackson hurts because he is a pretty good defender. He's foul prone, but he's quick. He moves. He moves well um, in help situations. He's a three and D big. Yeah, I've definitely have seen. Yeah. I've so, seen I've seen the break the uh, I think Coach Daniel broke him down one time. Yeah, Coach Daniels broke him down. Uh, ben Taylor broke him down. Yeah, thinking basketball. So, ha- not having him really hurts. Um, and that's basically the second best player not playing. Yeah, so now this doesn't look good for Memphis in this game. Yeah, right now I think that Dylan Brooks is their second best player, and he he plays hard. I like him, but he's not uber efficient. But it's someone like. Someone else who can take them off the dribble. Um, if Jaw gets a double team or gets contained, he can kick it to Brooks, who can at least do something. So, yeah, honestly. Oh, here, here's a question for you. I was interested because I had no idea. Who is Memphis's coach? Ooh. I thought I would know <laughs> this. <laughs> Wait, who is it? Yeah, like... Like I, when I was like thinking about all these playoff teams, I could name every coach. I have no idea who's Memphis's coach is. It's Taylor Jenkins. Oh no, I think I remember. I remember this guy mentioned, but I didn't know much about him. I don't know who the fuck this guy is. Like, <laughs> truthfully, I'm sorry. I, I'm sure he's a good coach. He's an NBA coach, but I have no idea who this guy is. So, when I was thinking about this, I was like thinking about their strategy. I was like, wait, I don't even know who their coach is. Um, yeah. But yeah, we need to watch more Memphis Grizzlies basketball. I mean, I was, yeah, I was more paying attention to John Jaron Jackson. Um, I guess let's let's get to our prediction. What do you think? I think uh, Portland will win. Will win tomorrow, or sorry, in like three or today. Hours, four yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I just think they don't have anyone to contain Dame. They're not a particularly strong defensive team. They're 15th in defensive rating. Um, they don't have the personnel to contain Dame. Um, they're inexperienced. Like um, rookies or people who get going to their playoff debuts tend to not have the strongest um, 
This is basically a playoff game. Yeah, because like people can plan for them. Obviously, there are some exceptions. Like Derek Rose um, mm-hmm. had an awesome first game. Chris Paul. So Jock could have an insane game. I just don't think that the collective is going to beat Portland. There's just yeah, Portland. There's no way. Like they were fully too healthy, much firepower. Be, yeah, Portland is not a real eight seed. <laughs> yeah, Portland assuming is, they're full, assuming yeah. they're fully healthy, they'd probably be closer to fifth or sixth or, or fourth even. Yeah. Which, with the exception of Trevor Ariza, they're full health now. Like, Nurkic is awesome. Zach Collins is back, and that's huge. And that was a good pickup. Great pickup um, for them. But I think, speaking of, you know, Collins and Melo, those are going to be important key factors for the next series, since we think Portland's going to win tomorrow against the Lakers. So, why don't you talk a little bit about L.A.? So, we agree... Portland will win tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, meaning they will be facing the Lakers in the first round. Uh, I kind of gave it away earlier. Yeah, no shit. That they'll, <laughs> they'll have the right to lose to the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, I'm not sure if this is a big. I don't think we're. I don't think it's a big. Um, it's a big surprise prediction or anything. No, I no. did. Uh, the way they're playing in the bubble. Makes me think, especially Dame. Makes me think, especially the since the Lakers don't have Avery Bradley, Rondo's out. They don't have a specific. They don't have a guy that can throw at Dame to, you know, contain him. But I think as a as a collective, their defense can still do well enough to at least you know keep him calm. And the, I still and given that and as I, as I alluded to earlier, they're playing a lot of high intensity games. This bubble, well, the Lakers. Um, Weren't, <laughs> yeah. After they <laughs> after they secured the first seed, even even before that, LeBron didn't look very engaged the first few games. Well, he Except, looked yeah. he looked the first game against the Clippers. He looked engaged. He was just having a rough go at it. Rust, fine. He was definitely engaged in the last in the quarter, fourth quarter. Oh yeah, for sure. But then the game after that, he just looked like he didn't give a shit. Um. Which is fine. He's 35. He can take breaks. I'm, I'm not going to give him shit for resting at this point in his career anymore. Yeah, that, um, that, I think that, that is a bit concerning in terms of like, you know, continuity of the team. Yeah, no, that's, that's Playing totally well, fair. But yeah, I do I think have... They, have they, they can use this round as a warm-up, so to speak. But, and it's a good, it'll be a good mm. test because it's a good team. For sure. I don't know if they should use this as a warm-up. I think they just got to get going... Like, just dive right in because obviously one of the concerns I have is that LeBron does rest a little bit. All the mileage he's put on his body, I think it's totally fair at this point for him to take a couple of breaks, especially since he has AD with him. Like, I think AD is like at worst his second best teammate. I mean, this AD is better than the, la- the last two years of D-Wade, I think, because D-Wade was like constantly injured. 2013 Aussie. and 2014. 13 and 14. Wade wasn't Wade of 09. So I think sure. AD is LeBron's best teammate outside of 11 Wade. So AD can carry a little bit. Um, my concern, he, like he you definitely alluded to... for a few games. Yeah. My concern is that what you alluded to is that it's different when they coast now because the teams take the identity leader. And so... It's different when this Lakers team coasts compared to the 17 Cavs coast. Because when the 17 Cavs coast, 
they had won the previous year, 2016, the Cavs won. Should they have coasted? Probably not, but it's different because they know that they have that switch. This Lakers team doesn't know they have that switch. Braun, McGee, and Danny Green are the only ones on that current roster who have won a title, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rondo, <laughs> but he's not well, playing. Well, not play- he's not playing. So, um, so I don't know if they can flip the switch the same way that the 2017 Cavs could. And that absolutely is a concern. Um, also, not to mention the 2017 East was much worse than yeah. the 2020 West. <laughs> the eighth seed in that East is significantly different than this eighth seed. Um, but I, I, I did a little bit of research on the Lakers just to look at uh, some of their numbers. So I think we kind of knew they're great on defense. They're third in defensive rating. But where do you think they are in offensive rating? Just want to get your thoughts on this. Have you not looked at the stats? Yeah. Um, like rank them. Are you the top I 10? Would guess, I would guess they're maybe... Definitely top 10, I would, I would guess. Maybe I'm going to guess 7. So I, I thought that's where they would be too. They're 11th. Ooh, yeah. That is good. Shocking, right? I, I was really surprised. And they're only a little bit off the 10th guy and they were like mm-hmm. third in strength of schedule so I'm not going to be look too much into it but I was really surprised that they weren't better I thought they would be seven or eight like you said and I just tried to look into it like is it a lack of shooting maybe but KCP, Markeith Morris and those guys are elite catch and shoot shooters they're 38 and 40% something like that I, my suspicion is that it becomes too much ISO sometimes it's pretty ISO heavy mm. or post up heavy, I should say. So I looked at look just looking at the numbers. So LeBron is a pick and roll ball handler twenty seven percent of the time. I think that's appropriate considering how well rounded his game is. One in four of his possessions are pick and roll. AD as a roll man is only used twelve percent of the time. That's really low. One in ten of the Who one is- tenth of AD's possessions are him as a roll man. Who is the primary ball screener then? If it's not usually the Davis, I. I, I who, who did you take a look at that? I would, no, I would, I would it's suspect McGee it's McGee and Dwight. But yeah. I was like, wouldn't I feel like that should be closer? Like that should be twenty something percent as well. That's weird because those two in the pick and roll is deadly, and they're not using that more. It's weird. Um. So that's well, I think at least that's, that's a thing. card they could play in the playoffs. That's, that's true. They probably will have to go to that in the playoffs. And secondly, I look at their post-ups. So LeBron posts up 10% of the time. There's about four per game. And he gets an assist about 26% of the time. That's pretty good. So that's creating some really good offense there. And especially in the playoffs, that's going to ramp up when LeBron finds mismatches. And he's probably going to use that to attack Portland because there's no one to defend him. So he's going to keep doing that. And that's going to create such an edge for the Lakers. You can't it forget becomes... about Mario Hezonia. <laughs> <laughs> he blocked him. <laughs> that's barbecue chicken. Oh, what's up, Shaq? I didn't know you came into my apartment. How's it going? Um, and <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I mean... Not, just to put that out there, obviously that's going to be a huge thing for LeBron. And 
I looked in the AD's posting up stats. So he posts up 22% of the time. That's about nine per game. He only gets an assist 9.8% of the time. And he, like, he only passes it out of the post about three times. So he's not really going to be drawing doubles, which is a problem considering how often he posts up. And the fact that the Blazers have a great matchup for Davis. It's like in terms of that, AD posting up, not looking good because they can throw Nurkic at him, Collins, and um, Whiteside, and probably be decently effective. With the exception of Collins, those two are bigger than him. So AD is going to have to do some finesse, but he's not going to draw doubles, and it's not going to be beneficial to the Lakers. Davis will have to have a good playoffs, I think, to. Yeah, I think, especially considering how LeBron was playing. I think Davis is the more reliable player at this point. Maybe, but you know, playoff LeBron's a real thing. This is true. Yeah. This is true. Can't can't, yeah. can't count him out of the playoffs. Yeah. But that's not that's pretty concerning. The he definitely isn't a good playmaker. He's not the playmaker LeBron is out of the post or in general yeah. even. Uh he's more of like a finisher of plays and yeah. the scoring. I, so Yeah. But I still think the Lakers are in a good, 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 good position against Portland. I'd agree. I'd agree. I just think that um, obviously things to consider: who is going to guard LeBron? Fucking Melo. That's not happening. Hey, that's um, you know of all like, you would have thought. I, we were hoping for like Wade versus LeBron from the O three draft, but instead we get Melo versus LeBron. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, that's very true. And I mean, maybe Melo will be more engaged now. In but... year 17. My God. Yeah, that's... Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> LeBron is a, in a little bit better conditioning than Melo is. So, it's not looking good. Like, LeBron is going to take advantage. Like, you know how sometimes the Lakers, what they do is... They do, like, 20 different screens to get LeBron a favorable matchup. They don't <laughs> even need to do that at this point. He has a favorable matchup. <laughs> like, yeah, I think no, regardless of who they put on him. Yeah. Now, flip that over. Who's guarding who's gonna... Dame? Yeah. Not having Avery Bradley hurts. It hurts. It's the GOAT. The GOAT. Caruso? Caruso. <laughs> Do you remember that thing that I texted you the other day? The thing that I looked up? I, I was just curious because I wanted to see like if there was a pattern to how good oh, yeah. the offense was, whether they had two bigs or one big. There isn't really. But one funny thing that I found is that of guys who have played at least six Line, five-man lineups who have played at least six games um, and have an offensive rating of higher than 113. There's five lineups. The only commonality between them was Alex Caruso. Not LeBron. Goat not confirmed. Davis. Goat confirmed. Alex Caruso's the goat. So Lakers in three because of Caruso. But speaking of Lakers in three... Prediction time. So what do you think this is going to be? I, when I was speaking last week, I was thinking it would take six games. But mm-hmm. I didn't consider how the injuries of to McCollum and the, this, the intensity of the games the Blazers played this whole bubble. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that to five. I think the Lakers will win in five. I still think Dame, Dame's probably going to go off yeah. considering the matchup. The mm-hmm. matchup he has against the uh, the Laker the Laker guards, mm-hmm. so that will probably that'll probably win them a game. So yeah. 
but I still think the Lakers overmatched them. Yeah, I agree. I think I have I wrote here Lakers in five, but five hard fought games because I think the Blazers are gonna they're gonna claw, they're gonna fight. So yeah, I, th- I don't think it'll be a, there won't be any blowouts. Yeah, it's gonna be a slugfest. Because as a viewer, I, yeah. hopefully there's none. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, because obviously the keys to the game are game game time, no one to guard Damian, but there's also no one to guard LeBron. And it's just like Portland's defensive scheming is not going to be adequate to contain the Lakers. So, yeah, I'm with you. Five hard-fought games. Could be six if Dame hits one clutch shot, you know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right. So, wow, we talked about that one for a long time. So, we're going to try to speed this up a little bit. Um, so, if the next few discussions are shorter, we apologize. Um, <laughs> but let's move on to Houston and OKC. Which oh this is the oh this is so good this is so this is good the uh, literally the first note I writ- wrote down here was fuck yeah um, so Ozzy yeah this is, fuck yeah <laughs> this is yeah this is gonna be such a good ma- I'm so happy this happened um, but the thing I wanted to start out with is that obviously Chris Paul and Westbrook got traded for each other. That's the big storyline. That's why we're all excited. That's the for this. big storyline, <laughs> and part of it is there may have been some rift between Chris Paul and Harden, but one thing that everyone thought would be um, be a big upgrade, whether you think Chris Paul or Westbrook is a better player, is that at least Westbrook will be there for the playoffs. And the cruel twist of fate, the cruel irony of this, is that Westbrook is out with a quad strain for the first few games. Is there a timeline on his return? No. I mean, if personally, from dealing with quad strains, you just got to go on how he, how he feels. The MRI showed that there's no tear, but there's probably some signal in the muscles. You just, it really just depends on when Westbrook is full go. Because you don't want to mess around with a quad, quad injury. Yeah. Um, that's going to limit his explosiveness and that there could be implications for further injury. Um, so... They're not going to mess around with that, especially given that Westbrook had some, some knee issues at the start of the season, which was just a simple clean out. But still, you want to be cautious because I'm pretty sure that Houston is going to want Westbrook long term. So sure. cruel twist of irony that Chris Paul is healthy for the playoffs as, we, as far as we know and Westbrook's out. So that sucks. But what do you think? Yeah. What are the implications of Westbrook being out for He's at least going to be out the first game. That's actually really huge for Houston because yeah. I think the Westbrook, Westbrook gave that... He's basically their only player who takes mid-range jump shots. Yeah, pretty much. No one <laughs> I, else I, does. I think it was that... Uh, I think in the, from the bubble, I think it was that Houston-Milwaukee game. Literally, it was only Westbrook taking two-pointers. I mean, I think he's the only one that's allowed to. <laughs> Maybe Harden, but he's not going to do it. He definitely doesn't do it. So I, that kind of, especially with the Rockets, with the way they play, uh, and their past playoff um, failures, so to speak, mm-hmm. they they get very three happy, and without that, you know, Westbrook to change the dynamic, that's not it's not a not a good not a good omen for them. Mm-hmm. But. It's luck. It's if he if he if Westbrook comes back by maybe like game three or four, mm-hmm. I think that's the that he still comes back in time for them not to like lose the yeah. series. 
I agree. Um, I think I think they're yeah. still a, they're still a better team than OKC. Without without Westbrook, it's closer than without with Westbrook. Yeah. but I mean without Westbrook, but with yeah. Westbrook, yeah, I think I think Houston can still be better than uh, OKC. Yeah, I even I think Westbrook. it's good that Houston has Eric Gordon back. He's mm. probably going to be on a minutes restriction, so. And he hasn't played much in the bubble. I think he's only played one or two games. So his efficiency and efficacy is probably going to be limited. So he's going to be kind of a big factor while Westbrook's out, um, as well as pretty much all their role players. Um, You know, so a couple of good omens for Houston, because obviously the big thing with them is their size. But, you know, their defense has actually been just as good. And I would argue it's been better without Capella. So not having a big man, I don't think is really going to hurt them because they really are playing their five best guys. And even Daryl Morey said, this would not be possible without Robert Covington. And Covington's help defense is solid. He's not a great he's rim really protector, good. though. So that's big. He's too short. He's too, he's short. too short. He helps as much as he can, and he's really good at it. It's just he's not a big body. But the good omens for Houston are that um, OKC is um, I think I wrote here oh, they're fourth in drives per game but they don't finish particularly well so mm, obviously because okay. their three-man lineup is their three-headed monsters Schroeder yes. Shea and Chris the Paul point guards. they don't finish particularly well at the rim so that's a good omen for them another good omen is that as good as Theon Adams is and I love him not particularly good post-up guy so they don't have to worry about that too much and have- lastly, OKC is dead last in offensive rebounds. Dead last. So, I, those are really good omens for Houston. It's um, definitely down there. They, have to, they don't have the play style that would punish the, punish the, small, the small ball lineup of Houston. Exactly. And I think Houston's pretty deep. They're surprisingly a deep team. Even though they play like an eight or nine-man rotation... Those guys play, and they play hard. Plus, they have a simple scheme. I mean, they do. Yep. They're going to match up Hunt, and they're going to attack it. And there's not really a solid matchup for them for Harden without compromising yeah. offense. Like, they could... Lou Dort is out, so that sucks. He's a good defender. Robertson is probably not as good as he once was, and he can't shoot, even if he was. He still can't shoot, yeah. Terrence Ferguson is barbecue chicken. So... There's just not a solid, solid matchup for, for Houston. Um, I think that on the flip side, though, there's not a good matchup for OKC either. Like, who's guarding Chris Paul? Who's guarding Shea? Yeah. Who's guarding Schroeder? Right? Like, House, yeah, House will be good. But at some point, PJ Harden Tucker. is going to have to... Well, they're going to put P.J. Tucker on Adams because they need to limit him. Mm. They need Maybe to limit I- him. Like, he's... He's gonna. He's he is gonna get re- offensive rebounds. He is gonna. He's been in the high post more, and he's been passing. They just need to limit the bully stuff that Adams does because that just opens everything up for everyone else, really. But at some point, Harden's just gonna have to defend, and when he carries the offense and has to defend, that usually is not a good recipe for the Houston Rockets. Question about Harden: Do you think the bubble? Mm-hmm. With no crowd, will 
help him in the playoffs? Um, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, he's definitely had you know those heart. Uh, he's notorious for yeah, choke, yeah, not doing well in the playoffs. Uh huh. I'm wondering if the no crowd maybe like you know get some of the pressure off him, and he has yeah. a, maybe his best run in the playoffs this year. I can see that. Another another huge thing that plays in Harden's favor is that w- another reason that he hasn't done as well in the playoffs is fatigue. I mean, he's had to he's That's either true. had to yeah. carry because um, like, the whole office the last year, exactly like last year Chris Paul got hurt. The year before that, Chris Paul got hurt in the playoffs, and so he's had to carry. They also played the Warriors. The year before that, he had to carry. And he, before that, he had to carry. He fatigued. So coming from the bubble, he just had several months of a break. And the Rockets really didn't, the last few games, they really didn't have to play hard. So I don't know if he's going to fatigue. He might actually have his best playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I think this this has been a, this is a good environment for him to do well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, should we just get to the prediction? Yeah, uh, I started last time. What's your prediction on this one? So I think I wrote down last night. It depends on Russ's health. I did have OKC in six if Russell is out for the whole playoffs for the whole first round. But I'm kind of mm. like backtracking on that because the more we we've talked about it, I'm like. I kind of have to go with my gut. And it's like, I just don't see Houston losing. Because OKC's lack of depth, lack of ability to guard Harden without compromising a bunch of stuff. Because um, guys in Houston are going to step up without Russ. And I think Russ will yeah. be back by game three or four. I think if Russ comes back relatively early, it's Houston in five, if not Houston in, five. in six or seven. Or maybe oh, but that depends on Russ. It depends on Russ. He, if Russ comes back early, it's Houston in five or six, but if not, Houston in six or seven. But I just don't see this OKC team really beating Houston. I could be wrong. What do you think? I, I'm giving the OKC a, couple, uh, a game, <laughs> a couple more games than you. I was thinking, I think, I think it's going to be closer than what you're saying. I think it's going to be seven, but still Houston, it's particularly okay. because of that. That Westbrook injury, and I think uh, SG that Chris Paul is going to show wants to will want to show out against Houston. Yeah, that's so, true. That's true. That, All right, and I think that that will that will be there will be some good games there. Cool. It sucks we can't we can't be in the in the arenas though. That would have been. I know, like, can you imagine insane. if it was insane? Westbrook coming back to OKC, Oof. dude. We. Well, I don't think that people are gonna be are gonna harass him really because that was an amicable breakup. Yeah, definitely. Am- it, was, it wasn't KD. Yeah, it wasn't KD. Like they they would have fucked KD up, but <laughs> I don't think they would have done the same with Westbrook. I think they would have given him like some respectful, maybe trash talk still, but it would have been much more respectful. It's Chris Paul though. Houston would have destroyed Chris Paul. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the next one. Let's talk about I guess Denver Utah. Dude, I got I gotta say, um, I lived two hours from Denver, and I was about to go watch a Nuggets game, and then COVID happened. I didn't what? watch a game all year, so I was so pissed. Wait, so this is your, this was your only year in Denver? That was my only year in Colorado. Yeah, 
Oh. I spent one year there, and it was awesome, He's, man. Like, see, you never, you never watched. I never got to watch because I was about to, and I, I was gonna save it for the playoffs. Because oh, it's a, you man. have to drive down, and then I, you have to drive two hours back to Vail at mm-hmm. night. So I was gonna wait for the playoffs for that to be worth it, and we were gonna watch an early game too, like in the end of like March before the playoffs, and you know it just didn't happen. So that sucks. Because I never got to watch them live. I would have loved to watch Jokic. Um, but anyway. He's fun to watch. He's so fun to watch. And skinny Jokic is a thing. He's, he's been sharp. He's been really good. No, he's been really good. It's been, uh, been good to watch in the plans, in the bubble. Yeah, man. I mean, I there mean, was a worry. He still plays very similarly to what he did before. And he's yeah. slimmer. So should... he, just, he just moves around a little better. You mean good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... One of the problems for his playoff performance last year, particularly in that quadruple overtime game, he was visibly exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So him losing weight was huge. And that could be... And them taking time off is going to pay huge dividends for him. You know what else is going to pay huge dividends for him? Michael Porter Jr. And Michael Porter Jr., one of the breakout bubble stars. Dude, man. He's been playing He's really been playing well. so well. I mean, it's not necessarily out of nowhere because we knew how talented he was, but... It seems to have all clicked. Yeah, right? which is awesome. I mean, he's a 6'10 small forward who can shoot, and he's not the main guy. Like, obviously, all the attention is going to be to Jokic, but Michael Porter can really take off some... can take off some... Um, some pressure off of him, which is huge. Definitely. I think... He will be one of their good. It looks like the way the way his skill set is. I think he he could be the be, a better you know, clutch uh, go option <laughs> compared to Jokic. I mean the way Jokic plays, it's not it's not it's, he's not like someone you throw the ball down to. Yeah, and you can't you can't you're not confident he will score. I don't I I don't necessarily agree. I think that you could dump it down to Jokic and. Maybe he won't He'll necessarily score steps. every time, but if he draws a double, a he's going to make the right play. Because I think like the NBA nowadays is obviously moving away from post-ups because they're inefficient. Yeah. But I think that the reason that they're inefficient from a team concept is because the guys who are posting up don't know how to make the right suck. play. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, first thing, they suck. They're no Hakeem Olajuwon. <laughs> but at the same time, like, haven't you noticed, like, the guys who get a lot of the post-ups besides Embiid and Jokic are, like, wings, LeBron, Jimmy Butler. It's because they know how to pass. They know how to make the right pass yeah. to the right guy. And that improves – that's the thing that improves the team's efficiency on offense. And they have that with Jokic. So the problem, obviously, is that he's going to be going against Rudy Gobert in this. And ah, yes. that is a brutal, brutal matchup. So, um, Mike Malone's a good coach. He's probably going to scheme out of that. Because Denver can play their, like, big man lineup and overpower them. Or Jokic at the four. And even if Gobert is guarding Jokic, you can take Gobert away from the paint. Gobert is... And I think that's where, he, that's where Gobert's best exactly. when he's guarding the yeah. paint. So. Now, go, people underestimate how good Gobert is on the perimeter. He moves pretty well for a guy who's mm-hmm. 7'3". But... He's very, he's very yeah, mobile. he's very mobile. But if you take him away from the paint, that just makes it better for other guys like Michael Porter, Jamal Murray, who is Jamal Murray. Yeah. 
Um, what is your opinion on Jamal Murray? I'm curious. What do you think of him? I think he's he's a second second tier, third tier, third tier star maybe. maybe? I'm not sure. If, I I think he can develop into like maybe the second tier of stars, like top fifteen to twenty players, maybe. You but think he could be a top fifteen player? Twenty twenty. <laughs> I think he can be. I think he can be your go-to scorer. I think he has that. Upside. Yeah, I'd. Yeah. But maybe. What do you think? I don't see it right now. He's no Dame Lillard in scoring or creating for others. I think right now, he doesn't. He takes the most shots on that team, which really should be Jokic. He's their Jokic is their best scorer, um, which is good and bad, I think. Um, but I think that you do want Jokic with the ball more because he knows how to. He's good enough that he's not a top scorer in the league, but he knows how to create shots for other people. And he's an he's probably like the best passer in the NBA, short of. LeBron, Luca, and Chris Paul. Yeah, agreed. On so, that. I think they need to run more stuff through Jokic and not as much through Jamal Murray. Personally, no, I, I'm just saying like Jamal Murray's a good player. I don't think he's a bad player. I just don't think he's um, the guy who he should, should be, be the go-to. Yeah, scorer. he should be the secondary guy. You know what I mean? Like That's he calls fair. his number a little too much for my liking, considering that he's just a scorer and not the best scorer either. Um, so, do you think it should go first to MPJ before <laughs> before Jamal Murray? Um, that's a good question. I don't know, just because Murray has playoff experience and Porter doesn't. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Porter's yeah, not going to be the main guy, so they're going to be scheming for Jokic more than Porter. But I don't know. I don't know if I would go that far. I'm not sure. But the, Denver has a couple of players coming back as well. They do. Who didn't play a lot of the bubble. There. Oh, I think it was Will Barton and who's the other guy? Uh, Tory Craig? Ah, yeah. Or Monte Morris? I, no, I think it's Monte Morris. I can't remember. Um, yeah, those are two uh, rotation players yeah. for them. So they, have, they have a... They're actually pretty deep They are team. a deep team. I think my concern is that um, as good as those guys are on offense, not very solid on defense. Their big man rotation is probably the best in the NBA. I mean, Jokic, excellent on offense, neutral de- defense at best. Plumley, at best, yeah, yeah. Plum- Mason Plumley is underrated passer. He's very sharp. He is a smart player. Mm. And then they've got Jeremy Grant, very smart player, very sharp, and he can shoot threes a little bit. And then Paul Millsap, former All Star, again very sharp. And then fucking Bo Bowl, like. Their big man rotation is insane. It's so good. But the problem comes with their guards. Because Porter Jr. is not a particularly good defender. Neither is Murray. Neither is Gary Mm. Harris. Torrey Craig's all right. Um, Monte Morris is all right. Will Barton. Will Barton is... Okay, he positions himself well, but he's kind of skinny. And he doesn't really... Mm. He can get beat off the dribble. So... That's kind of why they're, it doesn't. It makes sense that they're 16th in defensive rating. So you know. However, the thing with Utah is that this is big for them. They don't have Boyan Bogdanovich. Yeah, this is what their second leading scorer. Second leading scorer, but uber efficient, runs off the ball. A great, the perfect secondary guy to Spider, and he's gone. 
He was also their cl- most clutch player. Yeah. I think he had like two or three game winners this year. Yeah, yeah. He was he's so, a solid player and it sucks that they don't have him. And they have no depth. Let me check their depth chart. Yeah, so I mean their starting lineup, you can go ahead and check that, but their starting lineup's obviously Conley, Mitchell, Ingles, Royce O'Neal, and Gobert. And off the bench, Jordan Clarkson is solid, but then they have Emmanuel Moutier, Tony Bradley, Georges Niang. Those are their rotation players. That's brutal. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> even, even with Boyan, that is really like not solid. That's not a solid rotation, but at least that's seven guys rather than six. And they'll have scoring. So that sucks. What so that makes you that makes you think that you got you don't think they're gonna do well this series? No, I w- if they had Boyan, I think they would have they would have done better. Um, now we can't count out Quinn Snyder, great coach, one of the sharper yeah. coaches, and Utah's gonna compete. They play hard, regardless. Um, they do, they do. I think that's a. It's. I think it's kind of. It, it was kind. They were kind of unlucky, like yeah. against Houston in the last couple of years, not to win more games. Mm-hmm. It, it was more lopsided than it should have been, to be honest. I agree. So, I think they they do have some play. They they do have some playoff pedigree, but yeah, as you were saying, they're a bit they're a bit shallow yeah. on the. All right. On the bench. Yeah, yeah, and then Donovan Mitchell, he's looked good in the bubble, but. He, I don't know if he can carry without that second guy. And I don't know if Clarkson could be that second guy. Um, prediction time. Jingles. 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 Hey, Joe I love Joe Ingles, but he's not a scorer. Really great passer, though. I mean, he yeah. creates some stuff, and he's really good. He's sharp. Um, he's the Chris Paul stopper. <laughs> Paul George stopper. <laughs> Paul George. He's a good defender, too. I love, <laughs> I love Joe Ingles. He's so good. Um, but prediction time. So what do you think? For this one, I I am definitely leaning towards Denver. Um, I think it will still be, despite the loss of Bo Boyan, I think they can still coaching might might win them a, a game or two. So I was thinking Denver in six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have Denver in six too. But I'm I'm this one. I'm the le- out of all of the series. I'm the least confident about this. So I could see it going a lot of ways. Gobert mm-hmm. can really limit the stuff that Jokic can do. In terms of the post, in terms of his elbow passing, because Gobert is long, um, so that might limit true. Denver's offensive efficiency. And at the same time, while Utah's not offense isn't great, what's their ninth in offensive rating? It's pretty good. I think that'll just go up because Denver's not a particularly good defensive team. Having said that, I think Denver's a deeper team. Utah's going to go in long stretches without with a scoring drop, probably. Um, I would have Denver in six hard-fought games, maybe seven. I think Denver can overcome this stuff, but it's really going to come down to who executes better and who co- who gets coached better. Actually, I, there's one thing I just thought of. Um, we didn't talk about yeah. Mike Conley a lot. Um, do you think he has? Oh, the that's potential? true. Do you think he has the potential to um, to be the X factor in the series? He did have a good season with Utah, adjusting to their new system, the new team. He- yeah, he did not have a good season, but he game did I look won- better in the bubble. Yeah, that, in particular that Lakers game. Yeah, so um, Mike Conley be- is an experienced veteran. I think he'll have a good series, especially since Denver is not a great defensive team. He's been aggressive. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Mike Conley is the X factor of the series. 
Okay, he, he's probably the set. Yeah, he's definitely the second best player. Uh, third after Gobert, if you're gonna call yeah. Gobert. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely. I can't Gobert, dude. He's second best. Second best. Arguably, best, I don't. Know. Arguably, no. I think Gobert overall is a better player than Mitchell. No, that's 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 a fair that's a fair debate, and I think they, that's why they don't like each other. <laughs> there's something. Well, there, there's a co- the whole COVID thing, and Gobert, he's straight up fucked up. Okay, like he, he's an he idiot. wasn't taking it seriously. He's stupid. So I get the that. defensive player of the year stopped it. Stopped the entire league. Yeah, he's so good. He stopped the entire league. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Okay. Anyway, sorry. We can bleep that. That's um, gonna be. That's gonna be cut. I think. That's cut. Anyway. That's gonna be, or you know, maybe not. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So let's finish out the uh, the Western Conference. Yeah. Let's let's talk about this last West series: the LA Clippers versus the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, they, it's Luca's debut, baby. Yeah, this actually, I think, after Houston OKC, my second most look look forward, the second series. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a series I'm looking forward to the second most. We're not gonna edit Houston that out, OKC. by the way. <laughs> We're not gonna edit that out. Um, I'm notorious for stuttering. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. And I think also when we get uh, a little more. Um, not necessarily emotional, but hyped up. We're gonna, our Pinoy accents are gonna come out. <laughs> I've been living here, so it's definitely probably that's true. Worse. <laughs> so Luca Doncic, Luca, Luca Doncic, Luca, Luca, Kristaps. So, what are we thinking? How do you think Luca's debut is gonna go? It couldn't have come against a worse, <laughs> a worse match. Yeah, I know. God. <laughs> I mean, you got you got two fuck. all NBA defenders, right? To throw really? at him, and probably you the two best so perimeter defenders. You got so, so many guys to throw at him. You got Kawhi, PG, Marcus Morris, and really, you could probably throw Pat Bev on him. That's gonna it's gonna be a basically a hazing of sorts for his for, for his debut. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Luca's I, Luca's very good. We'll see if he can rise to the good. challenge. Yeah, <laughs> but definitely like a hard first test for him. Yeah, seriously, I I definitely foresee because I saw I there's a great post on um, backpicks.com that's the Thinking Basketball um, blog, and there was a post a couple of months ago that Ben put out. It was what should we expect from Luca's first from his playoff debut, and he basically like goes through the playoff debuts of other stars, comparable stars. I think Magic Johnson was on there. Um, I can't remember who else. I haven't read it in a long time. But basically, it's the conclusion was playoff debuts tend to be pretty rough. They tend to not be good because that's really the first time these players have ever been scouted. One thing they're to take into consideration, against. though, yeah, they're schemed against. One thing to take into consideration, though, is that I think all of the players that were looked in that paper, in that blog post, were, came out of college. Luca has come from the European system where they actually do have a playoff series and they do get schemed against. Luca's played against men. And he's got, yeah, that's, that's a very, very fair point. Um, I think that and the he was the MVP, right? Rough, he was, dude, he was Spanish League MVP, EuroLeague MVP, Spanish League Finals MVP, and EuroLeague MVP at the age of 19. That's crazy he went third. That's okay. insane. <laughs> he still can be... dude, How did he and... go there in the draft? That's... Who who got picked ahead of him? Marvin Bagley and DeAndre Ayton. 
even the, the, I, the I, is I, a little bit defensible, a little bit. Yeah, but really, though. it's really not. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, I could somewhat see it because they had Devin Booker. The fuck? If you had Devin Booker and Luka Doncic on the same team, Jesus. <laughs> if their argument was they think Booker and Aiton would have matched up better together, fine. Luka should have gone second. Sacramento, you fucked up again. <laughs> I don't know how many times you can do that. Vladi Divac stepped down. He's fired. Yeah, he's gone. Thank God. Thank God. They need to get him out. They did not. They took Marvin Bagley. I watched Marvin Bagley. He was not that good. <laughs> I don't know how, he I, coasted I, on his athleticism. He was not that good. Sorry. I don't he, know what happened with the Kings. Yeah, I mean, they, he could turn his career around if his. I hope he. I hope he has a good career. Obviously, but I just don't think you could ever justify Marvin Bagley over Luca. Anyway. Let's not detract shout from out to the, the bright future like, sons. <laughs> <laughs> but the yeah, shout out to bright. them. They fucking killed it in the bubble. I, it sucks they're not in the playoffs. Um, nah, that 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 playing game, Portland versus Phoenix, would have been really good. But that would have been, I, I would have rather had that honestly than Memphis. Yeah, man. I'm sure everyone would have. That was yeah. two <laughs> hottest teams in the league. Yeah, in the bubble. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Let's go um, on to the series. Let's go on to the series. So obviously the big thing is that Luka creates everything for them on offense. But the Clippers are so well-equipped to guard him that it's going to be so tough. Um, and the other advantage that Dallas might have is Kristaps Porzingis. Now, I do think that the Clippers are pretty equipped to guard Kristaps as well. I mean, they I can agree. throw Jermichael Green and Patrick Patterson on him. Um, they can if they can even throw one one of the wings on him because given how Porzingis plays, probably. I think they can get if, away with it. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Porzingis is gonna be this elite post up player. Exactly. My concern would be on a pick and pop. Marcus Morris really can't do shit against a guy who's seven four. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So I think Jermichael Green is their best option. Because Jermichael Green's at least 6'10", is a little taller, and can somewhat guard him. But at the same time, if Luke is being contained, it's going to be tough. They can recover out to him. Yeah. Kawhi is no slouch either. Marcus Morris, meh. Um, <laughs> I'm not as high on Marcus Morris as a defender as most people are. Just a fake LeBron stopper. Yeah. He's all right on ball, and he's somewhat strong, but he, that's pretty much it. Um, Dallas is great, and I hope that they do well. But I just the Clippers. I mean, elite defensive wings. They're second in offensive rating. Um, Kawhi's passing has taken an improvement. Oh, by the way, they're second in offensive rating before PG looked this good. PG's looked so good. Yeah, he's looked really good in the bubble. So I think they're coming. They're coming into their own. Yeah, the right time. And Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell are back in the bubble. They're gonna play the playoffs. The two, the two sixth man of the year candidates. They should be co six men. <laughs> I honest, no, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, they're that good. If I were to give one, only give one, it would be Lou Williams. But at the same time, Montrezl Harrell has stepped up his rim protection. Mm-hmm. They're gonna destroy bench units. In the playoffs, for sure. Yeah. As deep it's as good. Dallas is, they're not. And they, they didn't sign enough talent there. They do have Maxi Kleba. I like Kleba. <laughs> he's good. And he can shoot threes. He can shoot threes. He's an excellent defender. I don't know how much that's going to make up for it. Um, 
Prediction I mean, he's going to be guarding Zubats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zubats probably only going to play like 14, 15 minutes, though. They're going to yeah, play Montrez Harrell. Let's all go to Harrell. Yeah. Although Maybe that, 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 is, that is a caveat with him. Um, yeah. Coming, he hasn't played any of the bubble games. Like yeah. playing, playing, playing back up to game speed is going to be tough. That's going to be tough so, for Harold. I agree. I agree. Caveat. What's your, what's your prediction for this? I had uh, as much as I like Luca and Porzingis. It's good. I think I have Clippers in five. Yeah. I actually have no the Clippers. sweeps. They're going to sweep. Them? I, I have a sweep. I think the Clippers are going to sweep. Ooh, first sweep. Yeah. Um, I, I actually have Clippers in four or five because I could see Luca going off. Luca might have Wait. one game where he just explodes. There's just nothing the Clippers can do and they win. I could totally see that happening. I, I do see the Clippers sweeping the Mavs, though. I think actually, that's likely. Now that, now that you mentioned it, um, the Mavs have been terrible in close games this year. Oh, so- have they? <laughs> Yeah. I look at that. Yeah, they're think... notorious. They were in a few in the bubble, and they lost yeah. all of them. Yeah, namely and the I... Port- Portland, Portland, and Clippers. Wait, was it the Clippers? Yeah, Wait, they're the or Milwaukee. No, Houston, Houston it was Houston. Mm. It was yeah, two particularly close ones where they should have won, but they lost. Yeah, they just have no one to guard Kawhi and PG. I mean, I like Dorian Finney-Smith. He's a good, good player, but. He's not. I don't think he's gonna contain Kawhi very well. And even if he does, PG looks so good. And then how are they gonna guard Lou Will and Montrez pick and roll? I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I. I mean, they could throw out Boban. <laughs> Dude, I love Boban. Love Boban. He's probably gonna. It's not... I mean, Boban's gonna get a guaranteed play, ten minutes play. where he'll play, he'll they're play. just gonna post him up. He's gonna score every time, but he's gonna get. Eaten alive defensively. Yeah, I I can I don't see him doing well against that Harold pick and roll. Harold, Lou will Harold, Harold pick and roll. Nah, they're gonna eat him alive. Yeah. Uh, where where is where is Boban from? Boban Marjanovic. Is he Serbian? Sure. Serbian, yes. Yeah, that's Serbian chicken. <laughs> Serbian. <laughs> And those were our Western Conference predictions. Um, this is Editing Carlos. Uh, Rafa and I decided to split the podcast into two episodes. Uh, one for the Western Conference and one for the Eastern Conference. And we didn't, have an, uh, we didn't record an outro. So that's what I'm doing now. Uh, thank you guys for listening to our first um, trial podcast. Let us know what you guys think about the podcast so far. Uh, give us any comments, please. And... Uh, Let us know your thoughts. Who's got next?